With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, on this uh, 29th day of April 2015. My, has this year flown. I tell you, it's just seemed like it was yesterday. It was Christmas. But anyway, uh, uh, today we're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and our guest speaker, Alicia uh, Geely. Did I say that right, Lisa? It's Guidi, actually. Close enough. Greedy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I'll call you Alicia. How's that? That works. Uh, and uh, I think Kelly Kennedy is there with you. So She, she is, yes. And... Uh, uh, they're with the firm uh, Bergman and Moore, and they've been getting on <coughs> Bergman and Moore. We've had them on the show here before. Uh, so this should be a, a really great show. Uh, uh, now, Alicia, you're working with veterans. Uh, are you an attorney there at Bergman and Moore, or... No, my I am the director of client intake for Bergman and Moore, so I supervise the intake department here. Oh, I see. So if an individual has an issue, they would speak to you first. Absolutely, yes. And uh, then you would uh, kind of put them with the uh, proper in the proper category. I, I know this claims. Uh, issues are such a, a complex uh, instrument that it's, you just can't compile them all in, in one type of way. Right, right. So, uh, are you finding that you're getting a lot of uh, uh, different types of issues now that we have the Gulf War vets? veterans uh, coming in with uh, somewhat different issues? Yes, actually. At this law firm, we see all types of different cases, ranging from Agent Orange exposure to non-presumptive conditions to Gulf War illness um, to PTSD from the most recent war. Oh, I see. Uh, Now, the Gulf War veterans up to this point have had a pretty rough go of it. Do you see them uh, laxing the laws any on those where they have a better chance of uh, 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 getting a claim 
Potentially in the future, yes, the laws could change, um, just like they've changed for Agent Orange over the years. However, right now there still isn't enough research out there um, to have the laws changed. Uh, well, I know a lot of them were uh, exposed to some of your uh, deadly chemical warfare agents and and uh, they don't seem to really want to address that too much. That's correct. VA does not like those claims. They're very difficult um, just because of the lack of medical research, so they tend to get denied more frequently than other types of claims, um, which is why you know we do specialize in taking different types of claims for all conditions that are non-presumptive. Um, so we're always happy to give consultations, especially to the most, those more difficult claims where veterans are really struggling. cases. We do free consultations at this law firm for any type of claim, whether that's service-connected disability or malpractice or special monthly compensation. We're happy to look at everything, and if we're not able to assist, we can refer people to organizations that will be able to assist. Oh, now that's a good deal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, we have... And, and I'm certain the uh, uh, newer vets coming back from the Middle East now uh, are really having their issues because the uh, uh, territory or the land mass that they were uh, uh, assigned to, uh, a lot of those were contaminated heavily with different types of chemicals, I imagine. And so I'm, I'm going to suspect that there, there's going to be a large, extremely large uh, showing of, of uh, especially PTSD uh, veterans uh, due to the, the amount of times that they were rolled over in, in, in the uh, uh, combat zones. That's correct. We do see a large amount of those claims coming in. Some of them are in really bad shape. And, you know, if VA did their job, we wouldn't exist, unfortunately. So we, we do see a lot of really unfair things that VA does. And a lot of, you know, it's why we're here to try and help as many veterans as we can get those benefits that they really deserve. been uh, uh, instrumental in uh, doing a lot of outreach for veterans. I know 
In the past, they've actually even traveled to places like Puerto Rico and held workshops and things like that. Do you guys still do that activity? We do, actually. I was just in Puerto Rico a couple of weeks ago doing, and we did two workshops down there. Awesome. Awesome. That's one awesome. Okay, so now, also in the past, you know, you guys are, you know, you guys, I guess you guys are in D.C., and you guys, uh, you, you keep pretty much abreast of what's going on, I guess, on the Hill, right, as far as veterans issues? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get my, uh, bring my memory banks back into focus there, because it's been a, I guess it's been a while since we've had you guys on, so, but, uh, I want to thank you for what you do, and I know you have a difficult job, because, Anytime we're dealing with the VA, you know, they're a different organization. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's always a, it's always a crapshoot as to, you know, which claim is awarded and which one is denied. And hopefully the legal process will, you know, put everything in the right perspective. So but, uh, we've actually, we do appreciate what you – go ahead. Oh, we've increased our veterans outreach. This is Kelly speaking. The Morning okay. Muster, there's a daily blog that goes out, and it's at our website, vetlawyers.com. But it, it takes all of the news from the day and uh, from what came out in the Federal Register to what came out in, from the RAND Corporation as far as reports, and, and then just the reporting from across the country to show what's going on at VA. And I, I think that's been a really great way for people to understand exactly how many face problems we're facing right now as far as trying to get veterans their benefits. Yeah, um, girls. What's your all's take on this on the on the new issues within the VA, uh, especially with the use of the new specialized forms? You know, you have to. I guess you have to do a form to file a form to file a claim now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know they're trying to. I would say overall, <laughs> I actually think this it's much more confusing for the veterans. Um, to have yeah. to fill out a form. You know, before it was they could just submit something that said I disagree, and now they have to fill out a form and include exactly which conditions and which percentage they want. And it's a confusing enough process for most people. And then to add in that you have to put down which percentage you want and, and things like that, it, it's just so overwhelming for the veterans. And, you know, we're always here as a resource. If they need help filling out those forms, we can definitely assist with that. I'm just wondering myself, you know, we're kind of taking a little side bets in the background of how long it'll take a federal judge to overturn that and go back to where it was. Yeah, we've been wondering that as well. There's a lawsuit, and we're um, concerned about the new initial claims form as well, because the first thing it says is that veterans have to submit all of their evidence, all of their documentation, and you don't find out yes. until about halfway through a five-page form. The VA is actually supposed to help you with that, so I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to persuade uh, veterans or push veterans, keep veterans from filing their initial claims. I think it's going to be a big problem. Well, I think this situation is a direct violation of the VCA when it was enacted in 2000. That's the take uh, here as well. Yeah, so, okay. I'm glad we're on the same page because, uh, at least for, you know, I mean, it's sometimes these, when you're dealing with the VA, they're not even on the same book, you know, so, but uh, it's, it can be a headache, and I do appreciate what you guys do because it's a, uh, you know, if you do a good job and you get the veteran service connected and get awarded, you know, you guys get paid. But also, you know, you go home and, and, and you know, and you realize you did you did something good for somebody. So that's something that uh, the thirteen thousand plus members of Hadit.com really appreciate. 
so but, uh, <coughs> but is anything right. going on up on the um anything going up on the hill anything new that uh that's i guess we haven't heard of because it's Sometimes news gets a little bit, uh, you know, it gets a little bit stale. If we don't hear many things, you know, with the Congress now getting settled in, and I guess the Vets Committee. Um, right now, it's it's more looking at legislation that already exists. But the Defense Department did put out their um, pre-announcement for congressionally mandated research for the Gulf War illness. Um, yesterday, I believe, which was good to see. That means that the researchers will know what's available to them as far as grant money. Uh, grant what, money about, uh, 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 what about S-901 and, and H.R. 1769? Uh, what's your feelings on that? Do you feel like that those have a, a pretty good opportunity or a pretty good chance to uh, become um, I, I don't believe we can comment on, on that. Um, I, I think we're just going to wait and see from, from our, our uh, standpoint. Okay. It's, uh, it's bills that actually need to be, especially on this uh, chemical exposure issues, that would cover a lot of veterans. Right. Like, I mean, I think generally we, we always want to see research expanded. We certainly want to see um, the government release documentation showing which veterans were were exposed and to what. It, it's so important for the future of research and so important for treatment for these guys to figure out how to, to help them. Who, who takes the lead on that research? Is that, uh, that, that a government agency or, or is that something outside that actually reports to the government? Because I know... Back during the Vietnam days, uh, Australia kind of led the, uh, you know, they, they led the the ball, you know, on the research. And uh, I actually had a lot of stuff in with Agent Orange and stuff way before we even recognized it. Right. And, uh, so and they treated their veterans very well. So it seems like we're always lagging behind. I don't know. It's, I guess it's because we're a reactive society because we never do anything proactive. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a couple of things going on. So with the Gulf War veterans, of course, the, from the 1991 war, um, we saw VA heading toward the, the mental health aspects and basically saying that the veterans were, that the symptoms were psychosomatic, that they made they were all in their head. So Congress actually created a, an a oversight committee that directed which direction the uh, the research would go. I think with the the new veterans with the the burn pit issue, um, there's there's another lawsuit, a class action lawsuit, and I think that's where we're going to see the majority of our research come from is from this this firm that's trying to to figure out um, how to get benefits for these guys or or how to to sue the contractors who who were in charge of the burn pits. Yeah, that's true. You get, I mean, you hit the nail on the head because it seems like we don't want to do anything, you know, reactive, especially within the within the aisles, the bowels of the VA. Because uh, if Beverly Nemer had sued and won that claim, then the Agent Orange vets would still be waiting. Right. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, so it takes a it takes a lawsuit. That's a sad situation. It takes an act of you know a, a federal judge to get anything going and a lawsuit to get anything moving within this system. Right. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of sad, and it uh, 
but that's the way it is. So we have to find the best way to deal with it that we can, you know, because we can't just run in and override everything. So, but, uh, well, I think beyond it doesn't make it different. I think beyond hurting the veterans, it, it hurts us as a nation in the long term because I think that if we'd addressed Agent Orange initially, the long-term effects of it wouldn't be felt the way they are now. And, you know, we're extending benefits to, to guys who may have had some of those issues, such as heart disease, without exposure. But we'll never know because we didn't do the research initially and we, didn't, we, we brushed them aside and, and didn't take care of them and we hurt ourselves that way. Well, again, I say it's always a reactive situation versus being proactive, and it's a, you know, in any any act, fact of life, if you're, you know, if you're reactive in certain issues versus being proactive, it's going to cost them in the long run anyway. So, it'd been a lot cheaper on the government if they did it in a reactive basis, and now they're having to go back and pay all this back pay and stuff, and it's a very expensive process. Exactly. Yeah, and we all know what's all about the money in DC. <laughs> <laughs> Well, most generally, they use the Institute of Medicine to do the research, and uh, 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 I really have an issue with that because I I feel like the Institute of Medicine bought and paid for it. Their research is always biased in favor of the government, and uh, that's not helping the veterans at all. Um, I, I don't actually have a take on IM, IOM. I think they've done some some really good in mean, the the recent work on the the veterans who were in the uh, um, planes that sprayed Agent Orange at, during the war, but they were actually the veterans served on the planes after the war. The IOM found that those veterans were likely to be exposed to uh, Agent Orange in the same way that veterans were during the war. So they, I mean, they they do make some good decisions. They're slow about it sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I think they got that one shoved down their throat. Uh, uh, I believe it was the Nemer that brought that all to a head and finally got justice for some of the veterans. Uh, right. Now, I've seen a, I saw a court case the other day. I think they're working on court. It's a gentleman's got him. Uh, uh, litigation going on about Da Nang Harbor, Da Nang Harbor in Vietnam. Have you guys been listening to that? Right. One? Yeah, I actually wrote about it yesterday. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. So I guess yeah, they're trying to get. Go ahead, Alicia. Oh, it's Kelly. The case was actually remanded. VA deter the the Court of Appeals um, determined that VA was. In its in its determination of Nang Harbor as a blue water area or a, a off water harbor, and they said that VA needed to change its definition. Yeah, <clears throat> we have uh, John Rossi on with Blue Water Navy on the show a lot, and there's a lot of stuff they're trying to do. I guess they're trying to rewrite maps and everything of the inland waterways and uh, establish some kind of perimeter around. The Vietnam area itself, as to what would be considered, uh, I guess, uh, an exposure area. Right. And uh, that's been going on for a couple of years. So, but we don't really know what they're going to do because, you know, uh, the Hoss case really hurt the veterans when it came out. So. Uh, uh, well, the new case seems so. to have helped 
So we'll see how it goes. Are you are you guys involved with that case? We're not. Oh, okay. Okay. But, uh, uh, another question I have. Uh, a couple of years ago, the VA changed its criteria for uh, PTSD. And I guess uh, in order to qualify, you had to have a diagnosis on, from a VA uh, doctor itself. Now, if I'm, but you can't have a diagnosis from an outside doctor like uh, independent medical opinion. You have to be treated by that doctor, or it has to be a VA decision. Have you guys had any roadblocks or problems with that that statute? Oh yeah, we take cases like that all the time. Actually, it's very common that a veteran sees a private physician, and the private physician diagnoses him or, him or her with PTSD, and they go to VA for treatment, and VA says, no, that's not PTSD. It's depressive disorder, personality disorder, anxiety disorder, and they do everything in their power to avoid diagnosing PTSD. Uh, but we actually have had a lot of success with those cases. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, so that's a, that's again, it's a matter of, I guess it's a matter of opinion, too, as for what, you know, which VA examiner stuff does, does stuff. So it kind of makes it hard on the veterans because, you know, one doctor diagnoses or one thing, the VA diagnoses or something else. It kind of makes it difficult, you know, and then the only thing it really does it adds a level of complexity to your claim, and we all know that once you get a claim that's got so much complexity and uh, I call it discombobulation within your claim, the time limit just keeps going and going and going. You know, it's hard to make a decision on. So it's, uh, you know, if there's some way we could simplify the claims process within the entire VA, we'd be in a lot better world. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we agree with that one. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, we've been dealing with this stuff now. I've been dealing with it for over 20 years, so it's been, uh, you know, and we've seen about everything that, you know, we can see coming and going as far as, you know, claim-wise. But, uh, you know, there's still a lot of issues out there, and, uh, you know, you guys yourself, you know, being uh, especially uh, Alicia, you know, you guys are, you, you know, you guys are the first ones to look at the the claims, I guess, after they've been denied, and you tell the guy, well, we can take your claim or not. So that's a, you know, we, that, that's a good deal. And uh, tell uh, our listeners uh, exactly at what point in the process you guys can take their claims on because a lot of folks are still confused as to, you know, I know there's certain laws involved as far as attorneys representing veterans as to when they can actually, you know, take on a claim. Sure, absolutely. Um, first of all, we should say that we're happy to consult on any claim, no matter how early the process is. So if somebody needs help filing a claim or they're not sure what evidence to submit, they can always call us and we can find them a representative in their area to assist them. When we can actually offer legal representation is after the veteran has received a decision and it's in the appeals process. So that first rating decision, the first decision, whether it's a denial or a grant, we can represent after that. Okay. Note that, folks. If you have a denial letter in your hand, call these ladies up. <laughs> Absolutely. And, we'll, and, you know, you can go on their website. It's www.vetlawyers.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And uh, you can contact them online. Uh, there's a link on Hadit, I believe, to their site. And uh, you can even call them up and uh, discuss with them. So, But, uh, you know, a lot of folks need a good representation. And, of course, uh, it's over here. Yeah, so, again, you know, the really good legal representation because it's, a, you know, VA law is a different kind of law, and it's not like, you know, civil law, so, and uh, they've got the folks that can do it. 
and they've had folks in the past that are really good at it too so they know this stuff you know left and right and they're up to date on all the issues going on in dc uh you know they put out all kinds of information and uh, you can actually subscribe to their information you know and uh, read their blogs daily and it does you know it does it does let you know kind of what's going on and give you an idea you know you can sit in the background and just listen so at least you'll be aware of what's happening anyway Is uh, Bergman and Moore planning on uh, expanding here in the future, taking on, uh, you know, getting larger and, and uh, expanding their organization? Well, we've been around for roughly 10 years now, and in that time we've grown substantially, and we're hoping to continue that process. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of veterans out there who aren't getting the benefits that they deserve. And as long as they need our help, we're going to be here. I believe we've doubled in size. We've, I'd say we've tripled. Year. Yeah, we've definitely doubled in size in the past year. Okay, how many active attorneys do you guys have now? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe ten. <laughs> I want to say ten. Roughly. Okay. Yeah. Damn. You have <laughs> expanded. <laughs> we have a lot of other staff here. We have a lot of other support staff in the building. <laughs> I remember, you know, Paul was with you guys, and then we remember Carrie came on a lot years ago and gave us a lot of good information. So, uh, yeah. you know, we kind of like to keep this going, you know, uh, at least maybe once on a monthly basis or bi-monthly or whatever, you know, because, you know, you guys are a good link, especially to what's going on in D.C., and uh, you know what 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 the latest stuff is, and you know we always really look forward to you guys coming on, and uh, you know we'd like to be able to continue this and from a Haddis standpoint. You know uh, we can probably make that happen if you got if you guys would, you know, uh, have the time to do it. That sounds great. Of We'd course, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, we back on the Gulf War issue. I guess, uh, what are some of the biggest issues with Gulf War? I know burn pits is a really big one. I, I've got a friend that actually got service-connected just the other day for thyroid cancer. Uh, so when you're saying Gulf War, are you talking about the recent Gulf War? or um, GW1 and GW2. I mean, basically, it was, I mean, you know, even though it's even though it's a different scenario, it's still the same because it's in the same location, the same geographic location, the same weapons are used, and, you know, they had the same process. Right. Uh, you know, but uh, well, you know, my say, biggest. Go ahead. Oh, I would say that the the biggest thing we're seeing right now with Gulf War One is that the research, the recent research, is showing that the veterans were likely exposed to um, sarin gas, and it's it's a chemical that's similar to the anti nerve agent pills and the um, bug repellents that they were using. Uh, one of the big issues is that there was a, a genetic predisposition for some some veterans to react negatively to the anti-nerve agent pills. Um, and the veterans with a certain genotype were actually, I think it was five or six times more likely to have Gulf War illness than other veterans. So it's, it's a marker and it's physical and they can see it, which is huge news. Um, the other issue that came out recently about that is is that they found that some veterans reacted very well to coenzyme Q10. So there's 
there's potential treatments for it. So that's really, really good news. It's really good news for the future for as far as funding and as far as finding treatments and diagnosis for these guys. I think that's the biggest issue for the Gulf War One vets. Okay, as so far as well, in, in a nutshell, basically the, the veterans may not have been exposed to nerve gas while they were over there. However, the medication they took as a preventive measure actually might have had a reaction to some of them. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. The other big issue was that some of the we were issued. I'm a Gulf War vet as well. We were issued um, insect repellent to put in our our laundry, but we, it was industrial strength, and you're only supposed to use it once every six months. And these guys were out there every day, hand washing their clothes in a bucket with this stuff, using it over and over and over oh, again. Yeah, um, and it, it worked. And it's it's a similar chemical again to those others, and and they saw some uh, higher rates of guys with with Gulf War illness if they if they did that. So that's that's also you an know, issue. That's been going on for quite some time because I know some Korean vets that did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was an issue in in the recent wars, but in those those earlier wars, it was definitely a problem. So. Um, as far as the new guys, what we're seeing in the statistics, if you look at DOD statistics or VA morbidity statistics, you're seeing higher rates of uh, neurological disorders, higher numbers of tumors, and higher, much higher numbers of respiratory disorders. So I think that's, that's what we need to be on the lookout for now. I can see that happening, especially with the neurological, with the chemicals and stuff for neurological. That's a that's that's pretty much a given. So, but, uh, hope they get it all uh, lined out in this year or so, because you know these folks need to get compensated and taken care of too, because they're younger, you know, than we are, and uh, you know they've got to live, and you know it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to live life when you can't breathe. I, I know that for a fact. Mm. Do you see them making uh, some of these issues a presumptive if you were exposed to certain agents and then that's going to be presumptive such as uh, having respiratory problems or having neurological problems? I would say not in the immediate future. Right now we've got uh, the government basically denying that those things are connected to um, burn pits. Basically, what they're saying is that there's no known connection. So, so it's another issue that needs to be thought. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, it's frustrating because you see firefighters go out and they've got all of this equipment and they they end up with all the same problems if they have if they're unprotected in, in smoke. Um, and these guys go and they're set up a, a mile downwind of a burn pit that's burning 240 tons of trash a day, and the military says there's no known health risks. Well, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> oh, it don't make sense. And uh, there's going to be exposure of some sort. Now, usually it, I would assume uh, one of the first issues you're going to have is uh, respiratory and then neurological uh, uh, depend on the amount of uh, chemical exposures you're going to get or what type of chem what type of chemicals and if it's a trash dump or or whatever uh, still 
you're going to end up with some of the same issues. Right, right. That's exactly what we're seeing. Yeah, that's not good. At some time, what's it going to take? A a major class action suit such as the Nehmer or
Exactly. I would say the number one thing to know when veterans are filing a claim for something due to the burn pits is that it has to be a condition, whether they're filing for a respiratory condition or some type of other condition. They can't just file and say, I was, you know, it's like filing for something to Agent Orange exposure. You have to file for a cancer or glioblastoma or something. It has to be an actual physical condition. And even if it just says respiratory problems, it has to be that condition. They can't just say, I'm filing because I was exposed to burn pits. Uh, it has to be for an actual condition that can be service-connected. So that's the most important thing, because if not, VA is going to come right back and say, well, we're denying you because this isn't even a condition. Um, so as long as they're filing for a condition, that's the first step in getting those benefits. Oh, now, Bingo. See, that's important to know. Yeah. That's the first step in filing a claim, know what you're filing a claim for. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Yeah, and that's like been that. one of our uh, one of our main issues is uh, um, so many times, uh, especially a veteran filing a claim, a new claim, you know, uh, uh, just getting in the claims process, they don't actually understand that uh, you have to be extremely specific on on what you're filing this claim for. Right. And, and many times they're not, and they try to generalize it, and it gets them in trouble down the road. Exactly. The only, the only way they can actually generalize it is, for example, if you say you were exposed to burn pits in the Gulf and you developed uh, COPD or some kind of bronchial issue, you know, you can actually file the claim for a lung issue to include whatever lung disease you have associated with burn pit exposure, you know, as long as you mention it, and you know, that way. Because it's, you know, a lot of folks, well, I'm going to file for lung disease because I was exposed to burn pits. Okay, what lung disease? Right. You, know, you have to be a little exactly specific correct. as to pinpoint, yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, the way you word your claims and when you file your claims, that's why you always need good help when you file your claims. Because you never want uh, a general claim out there. That's like writing a, writing out a check and signing your name to it, putting on your front porch, let's make come by and get it. <laughs> they can fill in the blanks. You know, you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you file for something specific. And if you're unsure of what it is, you know, uh, you know, and you know, you don't you, you want to preserve your effective dates and stuff, so you want to make sure that you cover the entire gambit and uh, you know, let the medical evidence solve itself out because you know, it might take some time but Lung diseases are, 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 are a different breed because you've got so many different ones. You've got obstructive, restrictive, and, and you know, it could be anywhere from as best exposure to COPD. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very vague. It's the same thing as, like, heart disease. You know, there's several different types of heart disease. So and it, often it takes very – it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, good medicine and, uh, you know, a lot of good doctors to determine heart disease. Sometimes it takes an actual heart cath, an actual – so they go up there and look and see what's wrong with your heart, you know, before you can actually say what it is. Right. And like you said, that can be very important if you're going for presumptive status as well, because if you don't have the, the specific disease name that is presumptive, then, then you might not get service connection. Yeah, that's true. That what true. was the name uh, of that uh, uh, bronchial... Uh, uh, biopsy they were doing. Um, I think it was just called a, a biopsy. I don't. I don't know if there's a specific name for it. Oh, I see. And that was to discover what constrictive bronchiolitis. Okay. 
as a result of exposure to what, burn pits or chemicals? Well, initially they thought it was because there was a fire at a concrete factory. Then they determined that not everyone was near the concrete factory. So I was actually talking to the doctor, and I said, well, could it have been the burn pits? And he said, what burn pits? And then it kind of huh. grew from there. He said that that's exactly oh. what, yeah, <laughs> so. Somebody opened up a can of worms. That's why they yeah. already no more. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> uh, Gerald, you need to go ahead and make an appointment at Vanderbilt, and I'll come and get you, buddy. I think you need the same thing done to you. Uh, yeah, I sure do. I was just thinking that. <laughs> uh, oh, but these exposure issues have haunted us veterans for years. Uh, a lot of Navy guys were exposed to asbestos, and uh, which I personally believe they should they should be presumptive for asbestos because uh, I was one of the guys that actually moved it on board ship and submarines, uh, and uh, you know, so I'm one of the ones that actually know the I know what it is. You know, because I sampled it and we tested it and we were trained for it. And, but there's a lot of folks that didn't know it, and they were taking their coat hangers and sticking their coat hangers to fold their clothes up. They were putting them and they were sticking their coat hangers into that insulation. Oh. You could, and it was yeah, it happened all overboard the ships. They would stick it in there, and every time they pulled that coat hanger out, they were getting exposed. Oh wow. Yeah. So, but uh, that'll never happen. I wished it would. And, uh, of course, now, a lot of the good asbestos vets have done went and left us. I know several guys I was in service with that actually died from it. Oh. So, uh, but uh, we're still here and kicking, so and I'm glad we got good support folks like you all to help us out. <laughs> and, folks, when you get representation on your claim, whether you use a veteran service organization or whether you use an attorney. Remember, VA law is VA law. You want someone licensed to practice that law in order to help you. And there's an old adage we always say, you get what you pay for. And remember that. If that happens anywhere in life, you get what you pay for. You know, so, uh, you know, if you seek representation, call these folks up. You know, we have a lot of attorneys that come on the show, you know, and they, you know, they're pretty busy, but... Uh, you know, these guys here, are right in, they're right in the middle of it. You know, they're in there throwing punches every day. <laughs> and so, but they, it sounds like they can get a little, they can get a little mean sometimes, too, and start, and start doing some stuff and helping the veterans out there, especially with this uh, Vanderbilt study. <laughs> yeah. No, Vanderbilt's a good hospital. Yeah. One of the best parts about the job is is talking to the veterans. I mean, a lot of times we hear horrible stories about their health, but they're it just it's always a treat to to hear the background stories. You know, where they served and and what their lives have been like since. They're just it's always it's always great to hear those stories. If you want to hear some stories, and it's easy to do, <laughs> they're published online. Just go through the Hatted Archives and read some of the posts the folks have put in over the years. Yeah. And we're talking millions of posts. Ow. And you will see everything everything within the gamut from World War II all the way to the Gulf War II. Some mm-hmm. things these guys have, you know, it's it's pretty interesting reads. And, uh, you know, and uh, a lot of folks, you know, myself personally, you know, I, 
if somebody needs help, I recommend them to an attorney. You know, and especially because there's a difference between paying for an attorney and, and going pro bono. So, you know, that's, a, that's something I'd like you all to explain, if you could. Sure. So, actually, the way our firm works is we work on contingencies. So, we don't get paid unless we win for a client. Um, there's no monthly retainer. There's no upfront fee. We only collect, at least before the Department of VA, we only collect if we win for a client. And that's only retroactively. It's nothing going forward. Um, and that upfronts us the opportunity to be able to help our clients with medical opinions, getting treatment records, anything we need to do, you know, we can handle that cost up front and be reimbursed after, you know, we win. And that way our clients really feel like we've, we've worked for them, we've done the job, um, you know, when they pay us. We also represent clients before the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, and when we represent before the court, we're paid under the Equal Access to Justice Act. So it's actually at no cost to the client when we represent before the Court of Appeals. But the phone calls are always free. Yeah, consultation is free all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys another question. You guys say you do malpractice stuff too and torts. Is that what y'all do? We do. Yeah, there are eleven fifty one claims, so malpractice against a VA medical center. Correct. We do handle those claims as well. Now, am, am I wrong in saying this? But, but maybe you can help me. There's a fund, right, that the government uses to pay these claims, the tort claims and stuff. It's, I guess it's out of a special tort fund. I'm not. I don't actually know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about that either. Well, the reason being is, uh, you know, you have a doctor at a hospital, and uh, like the butcher in Moline, Illinois. You remember that guy, don't you? He really, he killed four Kentucky veterans, <laughs> and uh, the tort claims were settled, and uh, the uh, actual money came out of a fund. It didn't come out of the budget of the VA that the guy, you know, did the work. So there's no uh, uh, there's no quality assurance there to get the people to improve. You know, there's no okay. Well, they'll pay it. Let's go on. Oh, I see. So there's no direct repercussions, so they can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's I think I think that's a big problem. I think that needs to be changed. With with you know, Congress has the power to change that. I mean, it's, I'm a quality assurance person anyway, so don't don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh. now, you guys do some more outreach, right? Do, do, do you all travel across the country? And I know you go to Puerto Rico and places like that and, and set up shop. But uh, do you guys go anywhere stateside? We're going to. I just took over for Paul Sullivan just in the last couple of months, so we're uh -huh. we're still. Bring that out, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're You got some big shoes to fill. You got some big shoes to fill. Fortunately, I still hear from him a lot. <laughs> well, now, he was, I mean, I've never seen anybody as passionate as he was about his job. Right. You know, because he really got into it. I mean, you know, he was, uh, I mean, he, he was just nonstop. And, uh, you know, we love Paul, and I guess Paul's out in California now, isn't he? He is, he is. Yeah, and, uh, so I don't know what he's doing out there. He might get shook up a little bit, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I used to but, be a reporter for USA Today, I'd hear from him constantly, probably once a week. Well, you should write about this. You should write about this. <laughs> he's, he's really good. USA Today, that's awesome. I probably read some of your stuff in. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I travel a lot, and there's a lot of motels that have USA Today. 
Exactly. <laughs> no, but uh, outreach is a good thing because, I mean, you know, getting the information out there to the veterans. I mean, there's help and websites and stuff. But you get a lot of veterans that are not computer savvy, and uh, that actually hinders a veteran. But uh, I'm surprised at the ones that I see that are not computer savvy, that you know, that won't even turn a computer on. And right. I see a lot of Vietnam, I see a lot of Vietnam vets the same situation. You know, I've actually trained a couple of them to use a computer to help out, and help them with their claims and stuff, and actually got them wow. service connected, which is pretty simple. But uh, uh, you know, it's that's one good thing. Outreach is what it is, and uh, we appreciate you guys for doing that. Thanks. Yeah, that's been one of our concerns with the new claims process because if you file it online, then you're you're kind of front of the line. If you're a Vietnam veteran who doesn't have access or doesn't know how to use a computer, you're already behind everybody else, and that's that's frustrating. Well, hopefully that crap will be taken care of in the course because they're going to try to do anything they can. They want to streamline the process and make it easier for them to do it. Uh, you know, they're trying to get computerized and all the other stuff, which is all good, you know, so, so forth. And now, now they've got... Uh, They've got two places, I guess, east and west that do the claim inductions now. Uh, you know, that's kind of new, you know, to us as far as them doing it, you know. I guess they kind of get the claims and computerize them. Right. So, you know, which makes it easier, you know, on the VA themselves. But as far as the actual paperwork and documentation itself, you know, I mean, it's still, I think it takes away from the veterans' due process in order to, you know, if you've got to do a certain claim, you don't have access to that form, then what are you going to do? Right, that's our our concern as well. Just, uh, John, I think we have a caller in there. Uh, caller, you in there? You have a question or a comment? ask a question? Yeah, yes, you can. Go ahead. Uh, one of my questions is is that this new program you were talking about, the, the way that the Veterans Benefits Administration is digitizing um, veterans' forms. Uh, v, uh, they call it VBMS. Um, is anyone getting the sense that that's working well, that, that veterans' files are getting digitized and the process is working better for the VBA? Is it smoother? Does anyone know? It's really early. What we found at one point was that we would call the regional offices and ask about a claim and be told for long periods of time that there was no access to the claim because it was being digitized. <laughs> so okay. Because the reason I say that is I uh, in, in late February I had two C&P exams uh, down in uh, Hillsboro, Oregon, which isn't far from where I live. I still had to drive three and a half hours to get down there. But anyway, when I got down there, the doctors, each one of the doctors in the exam said, when I walked in, I had a package of my service medical records. Uh, and they said, both of them said, do you want this to be part of your file, uh, of your claim? I said, yes. Well, come to find out they lost them because I called back a month later because we found out they had not been sent to the regional office and then I was directed to the Freedom of Information Act officer or the release officer, privacy officer, and he said, although they had my exams electronically, 
uh, they couldn't find any of the service medical records that I submitted. They lost them. Oh, no. And so the part of it is, now the good news is, is I already had, I mean, I have copies of everything. But <laughs> when I asked the question, what is your standard operating procedure for uh, these records, they said, we don't really have one. And and that's kind of, to me, that's discouraging because on one hand, a doctor says, hey, you know, go ahead and submit this, this service medical record evidence that you have, and then they lost them on the other hand of it. So it doesn't seem like there's a really good system to make sure that all the records are digitized. I'm certain that if someone turns in a hard copy file now, they do have a process in which they send it away and, and it eventually gets digitized. Um, <laughs> but I, but I'll tell you, I did do some research on this because I'm going to write an article on the fully developed uh, uh, the FTC program. Oh. And what I found out was is that um, a, a lot of these records, the handwritten records, people have during Vietnam and and during the early part of the I guess the 80s into the 90s, a lot of those handwritten records are not digitizing very well. So there's a presumption that the the raiders are going to go back and look at those handwritten records, but there, no one knows for sure. So anyway. you have to watch this process. Go ahead. I think that, I mean, it's great that they want to digitize and they want to move toward online records, but I also think they still need to have the staff to do it and the training to do it and the money to do it. So they can digitize all day long, but if they don't have the resources to do it properly, it's not going to matter. That's a great point. Another issue you've you got to look at, too, is those records that, you know, like, for example, the ones you had, especially back in the Vietnam era in the early 80s up to when they started the, the digitization process or handwritten records, a lot of them forms and records were two-sided copies. And there was a court case here. There was a court case here a couple of years ago where they were supposed to certify. I guess they certify the claims and they put everything together and give the copies to the court. When they made the copies, they left the back sides of the paperwork off. Yeah. Oh, no. So half the records are missing. Wow. So, uh, you know, well, you know, that's I, always I'm anxious one thing. because I, 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 my first claim is, is um, uh, in final decision approval right now and it's been three almost four weeks so hopefully I'll get a decision fairly soon but I actually went to my regional office in December because I submitted two FOIAs and I found out I didn't know this and nobody told me this that it, when you submit a FOIA to get a look at your 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 uh, C file that the whole process stops what? and uh, that's that's what they told me because nothing happened. I I, I submitted a FOIA and then nothing, then my it didn't move, and so what I did is I I went down to the regional office, and I I talked to the clerk I guess. And then later on, this was during the holiday season. Uh, they sent a guy out and we talked to me, and I said, well, can I look at my C file online to see if everything was digitized? And he said, oh, I'm not really set up to uh, to do that right now. But what he told me was is that when you submit the FOIA that your 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 claim is taken out of the queue until the FOIA is answered. That's and actually that's correct. It is taken out because what happens is it has to go to a different department. So it gets taken out of the rating process or out of 
the appeals process, it's the same if you submit um, a request to like your congressman or your representative or state representative. It's taken, I mean, it's still technically your place in line, but it takes it out because it has to go to a different department for them to reply to that request, and then it gets back in, it goes back to your original place in line. However, that could be months later by that, by the time they do a FOIA request or respond to your representative. Yeah, you're, you know what, you're absolutely right, because when I went into the office and saw the gentleman, uh, I mean, I've been a federal employee for 29 years, and, and the actually the FOIA officer was sitting right in the next cubicle. And <laughs> what really, what worried me was, as he came out and he said, yeah, I'm working on your request, and he had in his hand, he said, here's your request. <clears throat> and he showed me what looked to be about, I don't know, two or 300 uh uh, pages of documents. I said, "Oh no, I have 1,500 pages of documents in my in my uh, request that I submitted." So there's a difference between what you're showing me versus what's there. So, but I, the, my only contention is it would have been nice if the people knew know <clears throat> out in the field know that that look if you submit that FOIA, be prepared because it's going to take you know months before you're going to get back into the you know back into the, the system in terms of moving forward. You're so right with that because it's the same with, you know, people think it helps to write your congressman or representative and actually it just slows down your case. And we, at our firm, we only use it as a last resort when we're not getting anywhere with VA just because it can take months and months. It can take six months and we don't want to make anybody wait longer than they, it already takes long enough. We don't want to make clients wait longer than they have to to get their benefits. Exactly, exactly. Well, and, you know, and I, I, there, there's, one, um, there's one site that I go to in particular. It's called hadit.com. <laughs> and they really do a good job. I mean, I, I think that's what this this uh, you guys are part of that forum, I, I believe too. But it's uh, what a wonderful site. I've learned so much in the last year from that. It's it's amazing. I just my only regret is I wish I would have looked at that site more before I submitted my claim. You guys because I've learned so much. <laughs> What's that? Thanks for the advertising. Have him call in on every show. Yeah. Well, I, I will <laughs> we tell you that, that. it. it it, no, I'm serious because I'm, I'm I'm working on writing an article for the on the FTC program, and like I said, I've done a lot of research. And I looked at uh, Ask Nod's uh, his site. I looked at the VA the VA sites and stuff like that. You guys are really, I mean, and I'm not just saying this to you. It's probably one of the best sites out there for someone who has, like you said, some veterans are have very limited knowledge. You have people that are incredibly you know, computer savvy. Uh, but way back when, I used to be on an inspector general team uh, in the Army. And, uh, you know, I understand what it takes to, to investigate things and to, to look into them and how big the government is in terms of a bureaucracy. And, you know, I, for instance, I know that most of the raiders, you know, I, I look on the blogs and, and a lot of guys get very angry and frustrated at these these rating officers from BBA, but they're doing the best job they can. I mean, like you, someone in the, the forum just a few minutes ago said, you know, you don't have the resources, right? Most of them are, are, are um, at this point, are working overtime. They're tired. They're, the, the, the big tip push of 2015 is happening right now. And that's one of my biggest concerns right now because my claim is coming out at the same time that there's this big push to get claims knocked down. And uh, it just it makes me a little nervous because I'm hoping that, you know, I'm going to get whatever I deserve in terms of the claim and that they take the time and the effort to, to go through the claim thoroughly <clears throat> rather than rushing it through to get it, to get it done to get this backlog down. 
So anyway, just food for thought. But I do appreciate your forums and what you guys do. So uh, I, you know, it, it's it's refreshing to have a place to go when you need information from other people that are going through the same thing that you're going through. That's that's probably one of the best aspects of the website. Well, we do appreciate well, we, you calling in. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, uh, by the way, what's your name there? Uh, oh, I, David, I'll just put it at okay. that. Okay, that, that's good. Good job, David. <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the uh, heads up on Hadit because, you know, Hadit's been around for a long time, and we try to bring the information to the veterans, but, you know, the best way we can. And, well, we're uh, trying to get people yeah, to contribute. You know, I contributed uh, – um, I guess it was a couple months ago, and I, I, one of the things that would be nice to get across to people is that these these websites don't don't aren't free. You know, people need to contribute to keep them going, and that's. I mean, I notice you guys do some fundraising, but you know, it, it would be nice if veterans would understand that it takes a lot of money, time, and effort to keep these things going. And if they want to keep it going, they need to you know put a little bit of extra cash in or contribute to keep the thing going. Radio show sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com, Blog Talk Radio, and the Ask Bashers Show. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.